This is TDPS. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And Eric and I aren't just podcasters. And bitches. That's right. We're also authors. And you can buy all of our books at www.thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv and wherever ebooks are sold. At thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv, you can check out my Right Murder mystery series. Or sample my Burning Girl thrillers. The best part is, the more you buy our books, the less likely we'll end up filling the spot with an annoying ad for a napkin that counts your calories. The TDPS Network, alienating potential advertisers one promo at a time. Hi, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you're listening to TDPS Presents Christopher. And Eric. Okay, so I think we're arriving at a conclusion here. This is We made a mistake. We made a mistake. Okay, this is the second half of what we were calling a true crime pairing, which is something we've done before where we watch a true crime TV club and then we do a movie that's inspired by the same case. And honestly, to be fair to the movie, it's not... It's not inspired by the same case. It's inspired by the life of the person right. from the same case. It would be like, yeah, if you watched a movie about the assassination, you did a crime special about the assassination of John F. Kennedy and then watched a movie about the Kennedy family. Right, yeah. It wouldn't be the same. It wouldn't be about the crime. It would be about the Kennedy family. And that's kind of what happened here. Yeah, we watched Selena, the 1990 film, 1995 film that made Jennifer Lopez a star. She is in the title role. She plays Selena Quintana. Quintana. Oh, my God, I'm such a gringo. Um, she plays <laughs> Selena. Let's just leave it at that. Quintanilla? Quintanilla, that, yes. Isn't that right? Um, this movie was I see it written out. commissioned by the family, essentially. Yeah. And we talked about this. This yeah. is the risk that you run with the biopic. You want the rights to the music because otherwise who wants to see the movie? But then you have to have the family cut out everything that they ever Absolutely. That they don't want you to know. And I will tell you that had a consequence for me in terms of the crime. Right. The family said specifically they did not want the movie to focus on Yolanda Saldivar, who was the murderer of Selena, as we discussed in the previous episode. She was the president of her fan club. Um, the movie barely touches on the crime. Yolanda shows up at the end. I got to tell my story about the poor actress who played Yolanda. Okay. She's a wonderful actress. I'm not seeing her on the IMDb page that I cut and pasted, but I sh- her name appears in the credits, and I'm not going to mangle it with my. Um, well, let's look her up. Tank. Let's, let's look her up. But let's look her up. You but want she me to tell in, the story? She while... was in. Uh, yeah, you start the story, and I'll find her name. But she was in Desperate Housewives, right? I. She was. She has worked extensively, but everywhere she went, someone or if you saw her on screen, some and you were not alone, somebody you were with would scream. She killed Selena and point at the screen. It happened in New Orleans when she showed up on some television show. The friend I was with went, she right. killed Selena. And then I went to a Dodgers game here in Los Angeles where the camera found the actress on the Jumbotron. Oh, look, it's, and we're going to get her name in a second. And multiple people from the stands cried out, she killed Selena. I was like, this poor actress, her whole career has been reduced to this one role. She did an amazing job. She's a fantastic actress. I think she also popped up on an episode of Southland, which was one of our favorite. Was that what it was? I was going I was oh, gonna yeah. guess the um I was gonna guess um the closer for some reason. Yeah. It was like She's, I remember her playing the godmother of some Yes, um, she has worked ex- drug cartel family or something. She was really it was an interesting role because she was playing a tough guy. Right. Yes, which, that was Southland. Yeah. Okay, I'm we're both looking this up. Our podcast is now Christopher and Eric look things up on the internet like older people. Lupe. Lupe, right? Lupe Antiveros. Lupe Antiveros, wonderful actress, did an amazing job and everywhere she went, someone would yell you killed Selena. I don't know if that was true in her life. It was just every time I saw her on a screen, somebody nearby would scream. Yeah, she became that character's. <laughs> she became what everybody saw of right. that character for most of the world. And the movie was a, I think, a pretty huge hit. Like it made J Lo, so it must it have been really a did. huge hit in the movie. And again, it's because of the music. She was a music star, and people wanted to hear the music. I thought the opening was weird. That thing where she sang all those cover songs of like. Disco hits. I I didn't understand if where that came from. We were si- supposed to be seeing the beginning of her attempt to launch an English language career. That was her final concert. 
It, it, it was they shot it, I believe, in San Antonio. This is my Wikipedia research is showing. Um, the the actual concert, I believe, was in the Astrodome in Houston, but they shot that scene somewhere in San Antonio. I was gonna say and they said it was the biggest crowd in the Astrodome. I was like, that's not the Astrodome. Oh no, it was like dirt on the floor. Yeah, I was like, like they not. don't have a dirt floor. They didn't even have real grass in the Astrodome. That's where AstroTurf came from. Right. Oh, I didn't a, know that because it was the Houston Astros. Oh wow, that played there. They had they tried to have grass there and it kept dying, and yeah. so they. Invented AstroTurf for for the the Astrodome. Yeah, so um, you're supposed to start. They started the movie with her at the peak of her career. That's basically it. She wore that dress. She looked that beautiful. She sounded that good. And she sang those songs as the beginning, the build up to the release of her English language album. And then we did your least favorite what? structure ever, which is we flashed back. They kind of they, but it was kind, of, but it was all right because you were getting the sense of yeah, like okay, because they flashed back to like a nine year old actress. So it was like okay, now we're actually going to tell her story, right? But I. I was left baffled about what that was because they never really knitted that back in. And she was singing all those cover songs. And I was like, what is this about? Like, yeah. Yeah. I Will Fall in Love was really her song, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. I think so. That's what I know of Selena. That's right. the song that I, and I don't know if it came from the movie or from whatever. Um, did you, then you did Wikipedia research. I did Wikipedia research. I wanted to know right away, and I said this on our last episode, was she really, was yes. it really her voice? It was really Selena's voice. Yeah. J-Lo was lip syncing to Selena's voice, and what a fucking voice. My God. I mean. Yeah, totally. Um, this, this is the research that I did, Okay. Not I did. A I hand love the hand motion. I did a hand gesture. It looks, I don't, I don't, it's like that cat playing the piano or know, typing like, on the. Why is this research hand gesture? I, I guess because you were typing on the keyboard. Typing on my phone on the sofa. Tune says the cat. Watching. Yeah. Um, the father basically commissioned this movie. He began putting it together very soon after she had died because he got word that other people were trying to mount their own projects about Selena. He didn't like what he was hearing, that they were searching for gossip about the family. He said, if we don't make our own movies, somebody else will. He went to Hollywood. He hooked up with a producer. He had so much creative control over the film that most people didn't want to work on it. They said that, you know, it was, they call, someone called it the devil's bargain. He had script approval. He had approval of the casting. He had approval of the director. He had to be sold on the director and the writer of a man named Gregory Nava, who had made a lot of film festivals about the Latino community, who had an approach he did ultimately get sold. But Gregory Nava went and did his own interviews, specifically with Selena's husband, who's played by John Seda in the movie. Right. Um, he... He looked really familiar. Oh, he's done a ton of stuff. He's as he's grown up, he's been. I think he was on First Watch or a lot of cop shows. He's been he's been out there a lot. You've seen him all over. Um, he found out stuff he didn't know about Selena, the father. In the course of making the movie, he had to be convinced to let it in. He didn't know all the specifics around the elopement. Selena runs off with the guitarist from the band with whom right. she's fallen in love. The father doesn't want it. You know all that sort of stuff. Um, some Wikipedia nuggets that popped out that sort of fact versus fiction. Yes. The primary concern, so a big moment in the movie is that her father finds out she's having this romance with the guitarist in the band. Huge. And he loses his shit on the bus. He fires the guy. He kisses him off. His primary concern was that he would make Selena stop performing. He said that there was a chauvinistic attitude in the Latino community, and the, the movie goes into this too, that 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 the woman's place is in the kitchen, and again, this is not me speaking. This is me quoting members of the community, and they thought he w- And again, they had trouble getting booked because she was not a male act; she right. was a female-led act, and that was a problem for a lot of venues. Um, but he was afraid that if she married that guy, he would stop her from performing. That he would, and so okay. why would anybody shoot the golden goose? You know I what I know. mean? Yeah. But well, the goose that laid the golden eggs. The, the eggs were golden. The yeah. goose actually wasn't. It wouldn't be totally. much use. Absolutely. Just melt down the one goose, and then you're done. But um. But yeah. <laughs> golden goose <laughs> decorum and aesthetics with Eric Shaw Quinn. Right. It was like that's not really the matter for wrong. Golden goose. Yeah. Anyway. So Selma Hayek tested for the role, and the story, and this again, this is a Wikipedia thing, and Wikipedia should always be checked. She felt it was too soon to be making a movie about Selena. I don't even know if the trial had concluded yet, and they were trying to put this movie together. Wow. And so the role went to a relatively unknown former in living color dancer, right. Fly 
girl named Jennifer Lopez, who is Puerto Rican. And that did not sit well with the Mexican community. And then they cast John Seda as her husband. He is also Puerto Rican. Also did not sit well with the Mexican and Mexican-American community. And so there was controversy around the film before it came out, which probably, if it had been happening in the age of Twitter, would have been a much bigger story outside of the people who were heavily interested in this movie. But so that also, if it had happened in a time when anybody cared about any of those diversity and authenticity and giving people voice, we're doing a better job now than we were in 1995. Like it's yeah, we're not great, but it is a lot better. Yeah, the public statement from I believe it was Gregory Nava, the director, who is himself Latino, was "You should just be happy I could get any Latino actors in this movie at all and shut up." Like that's basically what he said. You're lucky that we're not just putting light Egyptian on a bunch of white kids and casting them in the part. Yeah. Totally. Yes, um, that's that's really true. I believe the phrase I have heard used for that is shoe polish diversity. Ooh. Yeah, ouch. Yeah, ouch. Not my phrase, one that it was said by an actual person of color commenting on uh, the movie Prince of Persia, which had all white Persians. <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal, who is not Persian, played the Prince of Persia. Anyway, so um, yeah. that was the... Uh, there was, you know, I found some fact and fiction stuff about the movie, but again... This is a biopic about the life of Selena. It right. didn't really... I think we talked about this last week. Um, my investment in this as somebody who was the child of, of a celebrity was to see some exploration of how these... I don't like the term toxic, the way it's commonly used, but toxic relationships between fan club presidents and the objects of their worship can really turn toxic, if you will. Uh, which is what seemed to happen to some degree between Selena and her killer, Yolanda Saldivar. That's not this movie. They no, don't really go into not that. Here. This is about the impact of the, This is about what was educational for me was learning about, and again, I'm repeating myself from last week, so we don't have to spend a lot of time on this if we don't want that that sort of that sense that Mexican Americans have that they don't belong either in America or in Mexico. Yeah, there was this yeah. was that was a much bigger topic here. In fact, it really the movie opens with an exploration of the father's own experience yeah. of those things as a young man trying to make it in the business, which he doesn't really succeed at doing. No. Like it also kind of gives you an insight into why he was such a force in in Selena's life and career because Mm -hmm. in many ways he was that sort of dance mom thing. She was living out his fantasy. Yeah, absolutely. And he was very much committed to that. Yeah. Um, I did find a fact or fiction article that sort of did some comparisons. The only thing that really that I thought was fascinating about that was there is a scene where that I guess one of the bigger points of the movie is they tour Mexico, which was a big deal because they worried about that her Spanish was not good enough, that the Mexican press was going to take her apart. There's a scene in which she is depicted as absolutely charming them and kissing them all on, a che- on the cheek before her press conference. Right. I don't know if that's accurate or not. But there was a stage collapse at one of her shows in Mexico. And it turns into a the show must go on moment where she says, you know, the crowd is so big that it starts to press against the... Right, the and side they're, the, they're damaging the stage. Um, the The... They said that this scene was right-ish. They interviewed, I think, Abraham and, and her husband. <laughs> the movie shows Selena's dad briefly talking about the stage collapsing, but the movie doesn't show much of a collapse. It turns out this was way more dramatic than it's depicted in the movie. That was even crazier than the movie shows, Chris says. I thought we were not going to make it out. <laughs> so I don't know if there was even any stage left for them to go back out on and continue the show. Like it was a for her full to go on shush the crowd. Right. But it was about what they ended up was it became a scene about her power over the audience, yeah. her incredible connection with the audience. Mm-hmm. Um because it's a out of control show. They've they were expecting ten thousand people and a hundred thousand showed yeah, up and totally. they were pressing against the stage. They didn't have enough security. They just weren't yeah. prepared for the response to her yeah. that they were getting. But totally. yeah, she was really quite the, the, the star in her moment. Yeah. And um, the, and you know, and but again, none of it was really focused on the crime here. And we don't want to erase Selena's life, but we promised our listeners a true crime pairing, yeah, not a biopic yeah, rundown. Was, and so we're cop right up front. Yeah. We, this was a mistake. Like in, yeah. <laughs> in those terms. Like we're not saying that the movie was a mistake. You know, it's a fun thing to watch around the holidays, particularly if you're a Selena fan. But um but it's but if you were looking for something that was going to detail this particular crime, 
it's not really in this. It's not really in this movie. So, but I will say that I found like, and your follow-up, a lot of your research has actually really sort of teed up something that I think is really an interesting, unintentional reveal about the crime from the movie. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. Do you have a question or comment about this podcast? Then come share it with us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the dinner party show, no spaces, and we'll do our best to answer it on the show. Just watch out for our aggrieved manservant, Shea Butters. He moderates the page, and he's been known to talk smack about the two of us. Most of what he says about you is true, though. We can discuss this later. That's right, at facebook.com slash thedinnerpartyshow. No, I meant in the car. Hi, I'm Eric Shaw Quinn, and I'd like to take a moment to congratulate my co-host and producing partner, Christopher Rice. He's got not one, but four new books coming out in 2022. But today, I'd like to tell you about one in particular, a standalone thriller called Decimate. It's the terrifying story of what happens to our kitchen here at the studio um, when I asked Christopher to make the tea. Y- yeah, no. When I said improvise the promo, I didn't say you could make shit up. I am not making this up. Look at that kitchen. Okay. Hi, party people. Decimate is actually a thriller about telekinesis and near-death experiences. The page-turning tale of a woman who becomes convinced her brother is being held hostage by a supernatural force following his death in a fiery plane crash. It has nothing to do with tea or our kitchen, and you can pre-order it on Amazon now. And while it is spine-tingling and terrifying, it is nothing compared to what I'm going to have to order off of Amazon to clean up that kitchen. Will you shut up about tea and our kitchen? Oh, I never shut up about tea. So, the thing I think that the movie maybe inadvertently reveals it's sort of it's one of those it's a skill that i've developed my it's part of my mystery um cozy tv show watching mm-hmm. uh senses they really rushed this to get this in production and they really controlled the shit out of it and the thing that they wanted to control was you having any knowledge of the inner workings of that family yes which to me, because my original question last week when we did the crime show, mm-hmm. the, the straight true crime TV show about Selena's well, murder. Well, as straight as anything we do. <laughs> yeah, as straight as we could possibly. <laughs> Sorry, gay um, jokes, courtesy of 1983. Sorry. Um, go ahead. Just, just This just in from high school in New Orleans. <laughs> um, the, um, the thing that, that really... Um, That really was uh, – that I said last week with the crime show, I'm having to remember now because of your mm-hmm. uh, comic interlude there, <laughs> um, was what is she doing there and why is she there alone? Right. And I think that's the thing that they don't want it – they don't want answered mm. because there is no coverage of the crime in the movie at all. At there's all. There's almost nothing in the TV show last week and there's none in the movie. It's just sort of a haze of um, – of quick cuts and the reactions, but not anything to the actual murder itself. And I think that Richard, wasn't that his name? Her father, um, is controlling Abraham. Abraham is trying well, that's close. Abraham Richard. <laughs> not you can at totally all see. Close, yeah. No idea where that yeah. came from. Maybe that was her brother's name. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um that he's trying to control that part of the narrative. The mm-hmm. rest of the narrative is all about what a great singer she was and how beloved she was with her, uh, by her fans. And that seems clear, and I can totally understand why. But there is a lockdown on mm-hmm. any information in and around the management of money, the management of the group, the business side of this whole operation, mm-hmm. or anything to do with what this apparently relates to. Mm-hmm. Let me share two facts I wikipedia uh-huh. out of this that I think will support that. Well, this was actually, I found one of those, what was true and what wasn't true. And a fact out of that article, which was on Pop Sugar Latina, um, was that 
the I didn't know there was a pop sugar there Latina. Was, That's there is great. a pop sugar Latina. Be looking that up. Um, the one who reported to her father that she was kissing and getting kissy face with uh, Chris, I believe his name uh, was, the man she eventually right. married, was her sister. Right. It was not another member of the band that wasn't related to him. Her own sister ratted out her relationship. And she's depicted in the movie as being totally supportive of, of Selena and right. everything's hunky-dory. Okay. Interesting tidbit. Yes. Um, and the other detail that I ferreted out on Wikipedia was that Abraham was reported to child services by Selena's teachers because she was showing up for school sleepless and overworked because they were rehearsing so late. Right. Now, that could be some busybody knows that she's singing after school and has a big opinion about it, but she was showing up exhausted to school as a young girl. Yeah, I mean, apparently those kids went to work really early on. Yeah. When they opened the restaurant, they went through a sequence where apparently the family opened a restaurant in... Corpus Christi, Corpus Christi, yeah. yeah I had this moment Corpus of Christi, San Antonio, but that wasn't... Yeah. Although the post-engagement scene was in San Antonio, I would thought that was odd because there was no mention where she's sitting on the bridge. Yeah, I think they shot a lot of it in San Antonio, and they may not have been. They've been may have been trying to mimic Corpus Christi for people who don't know shit about Texas, but we know enough about Texas. Yeah, to I was like, this is San Antonio. Yeah. Who said they were going? What are they doing in San Antonio? And then they weren't there anymore. So it was like, okay. Anyway, um, they opened that restaurant, and then the kids sang there. So I think that would, you know, like I think there was a real sense of the kids were working. Yeah, totally. For a really for a, for a long time and from pretty early age, like. But the, see, this... she was nine when they really started performing. Yeah, and the, and the sister, and I don't think there's any evidence that she didn't want to perform or she was no. being forced into it. No. But the sister detail is interesting to me because it suggests the entire family was united. I'm now I'm doing a hand gesture. I'm doing fingers fingers pointing at each other and then a hand spread. It's like an um, antlers thing. But that's interesting to me because that suggests that the entire family was making sure Selena hit her mark and earned her money. You right. Know? And if like they're they saying, were, they're all dependent on her, but then is, does that mean that she was having to do more in terms of the business management and development? I, I'm going to go back like to my original theory is that they were saying you are too blinded by your friendship with Yolanda to see who this person really is. And because she already had this adversarial relationship with them, she was saying, leave me alone. I know this woman. I trust this woman. I'm going to figure out what's really going on. And that's why she was getting ever deeper into Yolanda's crazy. And it's why she went to that motel alone, because if she'd told her family she was going, they would have exploded at her and said, no, you're not. We'll have somebody else get the papers. And Yolanda was like, no, I'll tell you the real truth if you come to the day's end. I just don't think she was going for the papers. Really? Like, I just think that if somebody had said, yeah, she's got the tax papers, mm -hmm. why would she go to pick them up? Yeah. That's why I think she was going for, for a further explanation. I don't think, yeah. I think that there may have been some reason for her going there, but I don't think it was to get the papers. Yeah. Like, I, I think that's not true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and I think we're beginning to move towards the family feeling responsible. I don't think there's some deep, dark motive. Mm -mm. But I think that she said, Yolanda says there's a good explanation for this, and I think we should hear her out. And they said, fuck you. We've had it with Yolanda. Yeah, right. You right. Know, she pays back the money or whatever. And she says, well, I'm going over there because mm -hmm. I want to hear what the explanation is. I cannot believe that somebody who's been with us this long and been this close would do something this terrible for no good reason. Like, mm -hmm. I want to know what's going on. And it, it suggests— And they said, well, we're not going with you. We've had it. Either fire her or whatever, but we're done with her. I and know. she went on her own, and she was killed, and then they felt terrible for not mm -hmm. going with her. Mm -hmm. And that, to me, I think it's going to be more that direction. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's going to be they did something—he was abusing them. No, there no, not at all. I don't no. think any of their, that is in evidence. I think it was a good family, but I think that they were on opposite sides of this issue— and I think that they had some kind of fight with Selena right. that sent Selena there by herself. And that really, it, the depiction of the, um, the confrontation meeting in the movie with Yolanda, where they call Yolanda in and the whole family says, shows her the checks and the proof of embezzlement and says, what are you doing? And then Selena chases her outside and says, how could you do this to me? I think that would have been a fiction in that, in that scenario. Absolutely. I, maybe Selena would have laughed with her or said, you guys are ganging up with her. Maybe Selena wasn't at that meeting where they all ganged up on her and found out about it later. Or maybe, maybe she right. stuck up for her yeah. at the meeting, but I don't think she chased her down and did that. I think yeah. that whatever, and I think that... 
And if, in fact, Yolanda wound up on the pavement screaming bitch at her, I think they got into it. I think they got into a fight. My whole family has turned on me. You know, you have to give me a better explanation. This is just craziness. That's nonsense. I don't believe that. You've cashed the checks. We have your signature. We know you took the money. What I want is an explanation or the money back, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah. We can't keep up with this fiction. Anymore. No, no, no. And she shot her. I think she bought the gun to shoot herself. You think? I don't think she bought it to kill Selena. I don't think she ever intended to kill Selena. I think her plan was to kill herself because she bought the gun after the meeting. Yeah. And that's, you know, if I can't figure out a way out of this. So this is, we're merging the two, well, we're merging the two depictions now. We know that... Uh, from our last episode that Yolanda gave an interview to Univision after she was sentenced to life saying that, uh, you know, implying that Selena was suffering terribly and that maybe what she had done was relieve Selena of her pain. Yeah. So you don't think there's a connection between that story and the purchase of the gun No. Uh, earlier? Okay. I think she bought that gun to kill herself because wow. she was caught. Mm-hmm. I think she did it. I think she was caught. I think the family busted her. And I think she probably thought she could buy some time with Selena, but she knew she wasn't going to get away with it yeah. because the family was never going to let it go because she did it. Yeah, she did it. There was no doubt about no, that. No, nobody ever debated that. Even her own defense didn't debate that. So she did it. And I don't think she would have killed Selena. I think yeah. she I think she ended up killing Selena in that moment because she had a gun and it's the way that that things went down, but I think that was in the heat of the moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was premeditated. I think yeah. she actually killed her because she had, once Selena got there, she had a gun and yeah, they got into it. And because I think Selena was at the end of her rope, but I think she was there by herself because she was fighting with her family about it. Yeah. yeah. And that to me is why they've controlled the narrative because they don't want that to be the story that yeah. they all turn their back on Selena. She had to go there by herself. Mm-hmm. And maybe if she hadn't, she I, wouldn't I, be dead. I think there is a distinct possibility she went there by herself so that they wouldn't know yeah. that she was going. And I think yeah. that's a reasonable supposition as well, but it doesn't put her in the same frame of mind. Mm, mm-hmm. It doesn't send her there ready to have a knockdown, drag-out fight with Yolanda that would lead to the shooting. Because yeah. I think something happened there that led to the shooting, which I think was... Selena saying, I've had it with this yeah. story. I've had it with you. You're fired. I want the money. I'm going to have you arrested or whatever she said. That's the thing. If the family was preparing to file criminal charges and she didn't want them to, she thought she could solve it or get an explanation before, that right. could have been the urgency with which she went to that motel room too. Yeah. yeah. And that puts her in a frame of mind that could set somebody who is obviously completely out of her fucking mind. I mean completely. Over the edge. That interview was... Like, the the woman almost threw up her hands in the interview. It's kind of a comic interview because like, the interviewer yeah. is like, what are you talking about, dude? Yeah. Um, yeah. It was, she was clearly no longer connected. She was, you know, she was two sandwiches short of a picnic. She yeah. was really not all there. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, okay. I mean, I think we got as much as we could out of the, about the crime out of that without it really being about the crime. I think the other interesting note is that the husband, Chris Perez, didn't cooperate with the production initially. He wasn't involved. And then I think Gregory Nava, the writer and director, went and tracked him down and interviewed him and then had to sell what he had gotten from him well, to the Well, because he got new information, yeah. which was actually, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. But you could really see that it's the curse of the musical biopic. The yeah. family had control of it and and that they were not going to have, they were going to cut out any details that put them in a bad light or put mm-hmm. Selena in a bad light. And I don't think there were many details to put anybody in a bad light. To me, it seemed like a pretty good group of people who were doing a kind of an amazing job. I, I think it's amazing. And I think woman, it's important to God, be clear that like advocating for a nuanced portrayal, there's a difference between someone who is afraid of being depicted in a nuanced way and saying that a nuanced portrayal is tantamount to a bad thing. Like I think we, our appetites here, you and I, is always for the full picture not to condemn or to execute or to banish or to shame anyone. But to understand. But to understand. Yeah. You can't get insight without the full picture. I fucked up in my life. You fucked up in my li- in, in your life. I fucked up in your <laughs> life, fucked too. Up in, people fuck up. And when, the, and when the thing we see on screen is, is, a, is, a, is a sanitized right. version. When it says these people never fucked up, you go, well, that's not true. Yeah, that's not true. And you just sort of disconnect because it's like, I don't, I don't want to watch people 
suffer unless they, you know, they're a horrible villain who really deserves it. You know, but I, I, I want to feel like I'm seeing into their soul. I thought you could see into their joy. Like, that was an interesting thing. Kenneth Turan in his um, L.A. Times review, which I looked up at the movie, says it's a deeply flawed movie, but there are parts of it only a stone could resist. Like, there are. When the family's all happy and traveling together, her performance... J-Lo's performance, even though she's lip-syncing, is fantastic and amazing. Yeah, I mean, it was unclear whether or not she was lip-syncing. That's how convincing her performance was. She did a great job. She was having a ball. Yeah. They were all having a ball. They all loved those songs clearly they all knew every I word of those, those songs. songs a lot of those songs were fantastic yeah, yeah some great songs and they dreadful. were having a good time and the guy who played her brother was just adorable i wanted to ask him out but it's yeah i was like i had questions i was i was surprised did you find anything out about the brother no i didn't find like anything out about he was like the way he was portrayed i was like hmm, yeah. does the brother bat for our team like, wishful thinking on our part perhaps <laughs> Eric. Yes, Christopher? Are you sick of doing promos for my new books yet? That depends. Are we at the beach? Yes, we're at Sapphire Cove, the fictional Southern California resort featured in my new gay romance series coming in 2022. This is alarming. When did we go outside? You were transported by the powerful prose of C. Travis Rice. That's my new pen name devoted to steamy and emotional tales of romance between men. Yeah, no, that's not it. I was about to eat a sandwich in the studio, and now I'm being harassed by seagulls. Brandon, get rid of the seagulls, please. Oh, that's much better. Now I have to pee. First, pre-order your copy of Sapphire Sunset, the first installment in the Sapphire Cove series, which goes on sale March 1st, 2022, from Blue Box Press, when a new member of the resort security department falls hard for the nephew of the wealthy family that owns the place, sparks fly, and sexy scandal ensues at Sapphire Cove. Uh, yeah, could you pre-order that for me? I'm going to run to the little podcaster's room. Brandon! Come get this seagull! I can't help it if my writing uh, sets the I, scene. I know what I'm going to set if someone doesn't come get this seagull. Where'd you get that sandwich? Sapphire Sunset, the first book in the Sapphire Cove series from C. Travis Rice. Now available for pre-order. Eric. Yes, Christopher? Have you been to my website lately? Why would I go to your website? You're sitting right here. Well, it's the place to find out all about my new books. Why would I go to your website for that? Again, you're sitting right here. All right. Well, for people who aren't right here, ChristopherRiceBooks.com is a great place to get information about my new releases. Which you'll give me copies of because I'm sitting right here. Yeah, maybe. But for those who aren't currently sitting in our studio on the Sunset Strip, check out my website, sign up for my mailing list, and check out all the posts on my blog where I talk smack about Eric Shaw Quinn. What smack? Shut up and read this new book I wrote. Fuck that and fuck ChristopherRiceBooks.com. This ad did not go as planned. This was an ad? So in your research about the movie, did you find anything out? Like, there were gigantic crowds of people, and these were not CGI crowds. Like, yeah. it seemed to me that they had really, like the like the people came out to support the making of this movie and filled whatever rodeo arena they were using to be yes, the- um, the Astrodome. The Astrodome. They put out flyers, and they just had come to be an extra in this movie. And I don't think most of the extras knew what they were showing up for. And I think when they realized it, they were incredibly excited and happy. But yeah, that opening scene, that was just, they put the word out. I And I'm pretty sure they shot it in San Antonio. And it was people just came from all over. The, it was not at the Astrodome. It was not at the Astrodome. Did you ever go to the Astrodome as a kid? No, I didn't spend a lot of time in Houston. Astro World. Did you ever go to Astro World? No, I saw the commercials. I don't think any of that even exists anymore. I think it all kind of went to shit. Oh, cue the angry Facebook comment from our Houston party person. Astro World most certainly exists, and I was there just a few days ago. I hope so. Yeah. But I did. I what do was not it have, like? Oh, it was so much. I. Now, I was six or something, so, <laughs> you know, it's colored by that. But I just thought it was spectacular. Um, Exxon, it wasn't Exxon at that point. I think it was SO, had sponsored this thing that had 
little cars that you could drive around and, and around and around in a circle, you know, mm. that were gasoline powered. And mm. so, you know, they smelled great. And six year olds driving little, cars. Little, Only the oil industry could love that idea. Little Corvettes that you were riding in a figure eight yeah. around this. Um, it was wonderful. I just thought it was the coolest place. I was probably all just that crass. It was probably right. all. Um, just promotional items from giant corporations. But mm -hmm. as a kid, it just seemed amazing, amazing. Amazing. And then the Astrodome was like nothing anybody had ever seen before. They, mm. There was some hotel in Houston. I guess it was the Hilton. I don't even the remember. The Galleria? It was some very tall mm -hmm. building in Houston. And they, the way they described it was you could put that hotel inside the Astrodome and turn it all the way over three times. Oh my God. Inside the building without touching the roof. That's cool. Yeah. It was some, I can't even remember what building it was. Something Irish comes up in my mind when I think about it. It's like I'm a psychic trying to remember what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, I'm having a feeling that what I'm talking about is, anyway, anyway I've gotten completely- The world's worst tour of Houston with Eric gotten completely off track. And then the same thing happened with that scene that was allegedly in Mexico. I doubt it was, but they might have shot some. Did mm. they shoot any of this in Mexico? Do you know? I didn't see any I wouldn't guess so. I mean, if you're in Texas, pretty yeah. close. Um, it's just, you can see, you literally can see it from there. Yeah. Um, if you're in El Paso. Anyway. Yeah, in El Paso, you or absolutely can. I've stayed in El Paso and you can see Mexico. It was right over the yeah. fence. I used to yeah. live in El Paso. You yes. could see the hills in Mexico from our yeah. backyard. Totally. Anyway, um, uh, that crowd there was also exceptional and not nearly as nice of conditions as the rodeo rink where they mm -hmm. were pretending. That was really funny that there yeah. was like calling that the Astrodome was like, what? Yeah, that's not the Astrodome. Yeah, with the white but, wood But, you know, in all fairness, and... people do that with Los Angeles all the time. All if the you time. don't know Los Angeles, the things they claim are certain things. Oh, they claim it's other cities. Oh. Alias. Like, oh, my God, every scene in Alias was just somewhere in West Hollywood with, like, a palm tree to indicate that it was the Caribbean or Morocco. Oh, my God. Right. The, the standard hotel with a green screen right. across the back. Well, yeah. It was – that was very – yeah, there was, there was that scene in um, – NCIS LA, where they were in some hotel downtown and shot out the window just of the LA skyline yeah. and said they were in Riyadh. And I was like, <laughs> you're in Los Angeles. You can see it out the window yes. behind you. What are you talking about? Totally. Somewhere like that. It was really, yeah. it was very funny. So yes, I think there's a, a great deal of that going on. But that was very, it was just a field somewhere that yeah. with a portable stage set up in it. That you asked earlier though, fell down. you said there was an, an a scene earlier where they're sitting on, clearly on one of those bridges that go over the river in downtown San Antonio. Yeah. Didn't they run off to San Antonio to elope? Wasn't that what that well, was about? Maybe that's where they went. I, I don't know. Because they're driving back after that and she says, the word leaks on the radio that she eloped she says, and she don't says don't go, go back. back to Corpus Christi go the other way yeah. yeah 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 I don't know where they were coming from so maybe they had I don't know why you would bother but sure mm -hmm. like um it certainly would be a lovely place to go for your honeymoon or any other occasion really beautiful it city. is a beautiful yeah. city I went when I was and young. they've done such a I love the river walk and mm -hmm. I guess all that's still there it was the I went on a trip to San Antonio uh, when I was a little boy with my aunt Nancy, and we did the little riverboat tour. You know, the boats uh, go. I didn't do it when I was there. I'm sorry I didn't. Well, it was only for good children. Well, I was actually a grown man, so <laughs> I figure I could have gone if I fucking well wanted to. <laughs> Still, they probably mistake you, mistook you for a child because of your tomfoolery and. I went there sass. with my friend from Austin. I think we went for dinner or to see somebody. I think we also, while we were there, we saw a young man who worked professionally under the name. Danny Brown, he was apparently from there, from San Antonio. Oh, he was a gay porn star? Yes. Is that what you're saying? Yes. yes I know the code. And uh, that was his professional name. I don't know what his real name was, but yeah. I think he lived in San Antonio, and we thought we had seen him. So that was our big celebrity sighting. Boy, totally off topic. Where from, are we going with this? Well, listen, we, we want to sort we of talk talking about shooting the movie in and yes. around Texas and things. We and we also want to talk some about the fact that this did make Jennifer Lopez's career in 1995. That's how long her career has gone on. She's a powerhouse. And when she's did a star. she do Out of Sight? Because to me, that's really the start. 
Yes. You know what? You talk about something, and I'll look that up right now. Out of Sight was the movie that she did with George Clooney, where she played an FBI agent who was chasing the criminal, George Clooney. And 1998. They fell, they fell for each other. So it's kind of the next thing she did after this, almost. Well, let's like, see. I'll look at really her Really close, because this was 1997. So... This was it, or yeah, that's right. She was Selena was killed in '95, and she did this in '97. And then '98 was yeah. out of sight, and out of sight really was like, oh yeah, this <clears throat> is it's the real deal. Yeah, she's not just singing along with Selena; she's really gonna be a star. And boy, she has continued to be, hasn't she? She is a she is a powerhouse. Okay, I'm looking at this. Just her producer credits are like holy mother. Um, but, 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 never stops working. Never ever actress. stops working. And the most committed social media person I have ever seen. Is she? She is like it's different than the the Kardashian school of social media. Like it's it's it is about consistently staying out there. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not about, like, guiding the narrative or promoting any particular... It is just about never forget that I am here. Okay. And it started before there was social media. I think she just carried her regular PR campaign right on into what? Okay, there there is a movie that she did, which I have to submit as a stepping stone to fame, but it's maybe not one she wants us to talk about. And it was in between Selena... And it was also before she did an Oliver Stone movie called U-Turn with Sean Penn, which was a big deal. And then there was Out of Sight. But that movie is Anaconda, <laughs> where she hunted a giant snake, I a giant on killer the snake with John Voight as the crazy snake person. Um, and yeah, and Ice Cube. It was a big hit when it came out. Yeah. It was number one. I saw it, even though I'm terrified of snakes. It helps if they're giant and made out of rubber and metal exoskeleton. Mm. Yeah, and uh, it was really a uh, crazy little horror movie. But yeah. My friend Vincent was in that. Yes, he dies. Yes, he? he's the, like the first one to go, isn't yes, he? Yes, I think so. He could. Yeah, yeah totally. But, which was kind of the lucky one because they all almost died because they really did film it down there and they were all sick oh, the whole God. time. Were they? Yeah, terrible. I think so. That's what I think that I remember. That's how I remember Vincent telling the story. Oh, my God, I bet. That the blessing to be the first one dad was actually like, yeah. Great. Bye. See, I'm going to Brad. I'm Every, going back to Rio. See you when yeah. you're ready to fly home. Bye. Man. So yeah, she did that, and then she did Out of Sight in 1998. So Anaconda was 97. Uh, U-Turn was also out in 97. So yeah, this has turned into a Jennifer Lopez appreciation podcast here at TDPS. I'm a big. I watched. I loved that. You know, I am not a reality show person. You are not. And I watched World of Dance. And she's a judge. And she was the judge and the executive producer and the creator and the, you know she's a dancer. So. Yeah. That's and a, really, a dancer dances, as we've all and heard. And a dancer dances. Um, she, yeah, that was a fun. It was it was fun because you could watch them dance. Like you didn't have to participate in all that nonsense. I have to say, I did watch it with fast forward. You did. What did you fast forward through? Everything except the dancing. <laughs> so I'd watch the dance routines, and then I'd just fast forward to the next dance. <laughs> all the routine. human interest stories. If she and Derek Huff. We're mm -hmm. talking like yeah. if they were on camera. I would watch that. Okay, their interactions together. They were funny, and I just think he's adorable. So mm -hmm. I would watch him if he was talking, or the two of them. And sometimes they're judging in comments, but mm -hmm. that's about it. Mostly, yeah. I just watched the dance routines because, yeah, I, we're doing this because one of our mothers once was sick and <laughs> she had she stumped her toe and is now you know having to wear a corrective <laughs> sandal. Um, <laughs> And so we're doing it for her, you know, and it's like, okay, I'm not that moved. Just dance. I, I don't understand who's told them that they are, um, that they're, you know, I think they do it because there are no stories left on television. Uh, yeah. They've converted, they got rid of all the shows that have stories on them, so now they have to tell all those stupid <laughs> stories. Of all the shows and stories, except for you know Netflix, Hulu, HBO Max. You know that's not television. It's streaming. It's streaming. Right? Oh, you're right. Okay. Okay. That's not television. That's the internet. That's not where the, all the stories shows. are now on the internet. Yes. Fun stories like QAnon and uh... <laughs> don't even bring that up on our show. I do not want us tarred with that brush. No. No. I don't want God. Facebook to identify us and flag us down because we once mentioned that. 
wackadoodle nonsense on this show. I, yeah, I don't even want to go into it because, like, yeah. Never. Exactly. Don't ever want to talk about it until. But it's a whole host. It's a whole host of topics that we don't want to talk about. Because, like, whatever. We used to do that. We, we the not report. Yes, we would have tonight. Start a, we will not be talking about. We would start our old show with the not report, the dinner party show, TDPS 1.0, the first one, which is available at thedinnerpartyshow.com. And uh, I was going to say wherever podcasts are sold, but you know we are. I, we should remind people we are available everywhere. We always give our website link out because we want to direct you there and we have a lot we want of you to go to our website yeah. but that helps we us. are and you know if you can uh give us a like and a subscribe that would be great too we don't like other podcasts i listen to them there like, every five minutes and like and subscribe we never say it we haven't said it like ever. we should put it on a poster or something this is once again christopher and eric still need a producer um yeah totally it's like oh that's something we should do well we could do that and yeah. then we'll never think of it again We'll be giving away a cruise next week, and then we'll forget, and everybody will listen, hoping for a cruise. So so Jennifer is the best at self-promotion. Okay, yeah. So, but like, what's you've been a little bit more up on what's going on with Jennifer now than I have been. You watch all the entertainment shows. I started during the dinner party show. Right. And there, I mean, it is work. I consider it, it I consider work? it actually work, because- it's a, most of it is pre, it's like watching a 30 minute commercial it's like watching three 30 minute commercials every night it's like watching all of the stuff you fast forward through on world of dance yeah at, at least and i to you know to be fair i fast forward through all reality show stuff okay which means which really cuts down on the time investment right. if you cut out um dancing with the stars uh the voice What's the other one? The other uh, singing show, American Idol. Oh, American Idol. Um, yeah, if you the cut the masked out, singer, the masked. <laughs> I actually will kind of tip into the masked singer oh. a little bit because it's fun and it's a reveal and it's really more celebrity. So mm-hmm. it's a little closer to a talk show. Like sometimes some of those things are more fun than others. Like I don't know how different James Corden is from a reality show, and I usually watch those reports. So, you know, there's some there's some give and take, but the big ones, I don't ever watch anything that includes any of the Kardashians or anybody that's related to them or has ever been married but to them. you did watch the Kim Kardashian Saturday Night Live that was on a few weeks ago, and like many of us, you thought, I'm a little more impressed than I expected to be. I was way more impressed yeah. than I expected to be. She was in on the joke, mm-hmm. and she did a, a really good job. It was sort of like the best of my old writing partner mm-hmm. when she was, you know, mm-hmm. available and not being a horrible, thieving, <laughs> chiseling, lying sack of shit. Um, she was actually pretty good. She, mm-hmm. she was in on the joke, and she was pretty funny and a good sport about it, and I kind of got that same sort of impression. All those gloves were a little weird, but she. But it has been a... Oh, um, yeah, she wore but it gloves. It has been a pandemic, and so more gloves for a lot of us, so yeah. no... Only a little bit of judgment. I was going to say no judgment, but obviously having brought it up. It's never no judgment on Christopher judgment. and Eric. It's always it a up. little bit of judgment. But it yes. was actually kind of, it was sort of funny stuff. And it was like, all right, well, that's not terrible. And the week before had been so bad mm-hmm. that I actually thought, oh, we're going to go through another dry spell for. And that was the Owen Wilson yes, week. That was just bad, huh? awful. Yeah. There was not anything, nothing. The the thing that really broke my heart on that one was even Weekend Update was terrible. And I thought, uh uh-oh, we're going to go into another dry spell. for Because I've gone years without watching that show where it was just like, I can't take it anymore. I don't know what's going on, but I'm all through. Um, And so I'd gotten to where I had enjoyed it. But yeah, Yeah, um, Alec Baldwin doing Donald Trump was really... It was genius. Yeah, it kind of brought me in there. It was right up there with, but like when, like I've never seen Tina Fey do the news on Saturday Night Live. I only watched her do, I only tuned in when she started doing Sarah Palin because that was so fucking brilliant. This sort of brings it full circle. Can I say this? Okay. Since we were talking about uh, Jennifer Lopez, Tina Fey's greatest joke at the news desk was, and this was a real story. Uh, the, the producers of Casablanca are considering remaking it with Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez. This will appeal to those who like the original but wished it was terrible. 
I love that. You've done that for me before. And it's one of my favorites. Yes. That, yes. And we love like, Jennifer Lopez, but we did, and they did not remake Casablanca, obviously. But, but they are remaking Ben and Jennifer. I know. Jennifer is back. Jennifer is back, baby. They're back, back, back. I yeah. wonder if you'll buy her another Rolls Royce and another giant pink diamond ring. Oh. I I bet she's yeah, I bet if she wants him to. But she... as she said, as she said when Alex Rodriguez proposed to her on the while she was still working on the uh, the dancing show, World of Dance, she said, I can buy my own ring. Oh, girl. She's just Jenny from yeah, the block. Don't be fooled just, by the size of her rock. She's Jenny from the block with a bank account as big as the Bronx. <laughs> Don't be fooled by her plane. Yeah. Not yes. the size of her private a jet and, the, and her real estate portfolio. But yeah, I think it's kind of fun. It's like nostalgic and it's like yep. they've grown up enough that they might be able to, ma- to make it work. I don't know. Like, I wish everybody finds love and is happy. So I was fine when she was with Alex Rodriguez, although I don't know even really know sound, who he is. He's, it doesn't sound like she was fine. He's so. a sports. Well, in the end, I think he screwed up. So, mm-hmm. and I think it was like, okay. Okay, because they were really close. If the I think if the pandemic hadn't happened, they would have been married. Wow! But it, there was enough of a delay there that she got to see him, sort of like fudging. I mm-hmm. think on the lines of oh yeah. Okay, I think that was that was the takeaway from the sidelines. I don't know. You never know what happens between people. Yeah, totally. um, everybody's relationship is their own business. But yeah, there was a something happened, and then it was suddenly over. But. That was the same thing with she and Ben a million years ago. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, they're kind of back together again. I think that's sort of nostalgic and fun. And it's like a long time ago now. Yeah. They've been showing a bunch of, because they Ben and Matt recently made a movie together that um, um, every member of their family saw twice. The biggest bomb in Ridley Scott, I the director's know. career. It made $8 million. But they're saying that the large reason for that is because it, it was targeted to a, a certain demographic and that the older you are, the less inclined you are to go back to the theater. It was only available in theaters. The Last Duel, it was called. And, uh, yeah, $8 million opening weekend. Catastrophic for the a movie. Last the Last Duel. The Last Duel. All right. Next week, are we ready to talk about next week? Well, as you, have you got any more thoughts about Selena? No, I think you but, have, have shared all my thoughts about yeah, Selena. Yeah, I think that's really, and you know, like, it's really not a crime drama, so no. it's not a good pairing for that. But it's still, you know, Jennifer Lopez, and it's still it's Selena a, music, so if you like those two things. It's a moment in the culture that we that everybody should be aware of and know about, so I think that's that's part of and it. And we saw it, but it really was not a good pairing for the other thing, and the other thing wasn't that great a crime report. So. No, it wasn't. So this wasn't our best crime pairing, but happy Thanksgiving. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but next week, we're going to be talking about an issue that's impacting all of us, and we went to you, our party people on the Facebook page, to ask you how you were going to contend with it this holiday season because global supply chain issues caused by the coronavirus pandemic are set to impact this winter's gift buying season. So we reached out to you to find out what are your strategies for coping, buying or not buying and possibly making and your responses as well as Eric Shaw Quinn, the world's ultimate gift giver, giver, giver gift, gift giver, gift giver, who buys his books on gifts on Yetsi. And anyway, <laughs> all my mispronunciations in one bed. You usually buy your Christmas gifts in July, so well, I'm dying to hear your take. I but not now, next week. Begin Christmas shopping immediately after Christmas. Because so, <laughs> you're obsessed. Because I, you know, it's my thing. Yeah. So we're going to talk about that on our next episode. Until then and right. forever after. Black Friday's been and gone, so. Until then and forever after. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you've been listening to TDPS Presents Christopher. And Eric. Thanks. This is TDPS.